All right. Well, hey, we are continuing in our series that we are calling Devoted to Prayer. Uh, if you have your Bible, hopefully you're, uh, you already are ahead of it, you're, you're there, but I would encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, you can find one underneath one of the seats in front of you. love for you to see it and uh, follow along with where we're at in God's Word this morning. We are actually continuing on from um, the passage that we looked at last week. And uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed, we are in this series as a church where we are trying to grow in our devotion to prayer collectively. Um, as I look back on the, the sermons and, and teaching that we've done together as a church over these last uh, four years, we're coming up on our fourth birthday uh, as a church. Um, I've certainly preached on prayer, and that's come up in some of the passages, uh, but this is the first time that we've ever spent this length of time or ever even done a series just devoted to, just on prayer. And one of the things that convicted my heart, and I've shared this before, is, um, you know, it says, Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. And we can talk a lot about prayer. We can say that prayer is important. But the question is, are we praying? And when I looked at my own life and said, am I praying as much as I would like to, I realized I was not. And so I know that I need to grow in my dependence on prayer, my consistency in prayer, my reliance upon prayer, all of that. And I think it's true for us together as a church to do this. And so we're taking this month and we are focusing on prayer and learning and growing in it together. Today, what we want to do is we're going to continue on and we're going to see um, the, the instruction that Jesus gives us, particularly when it comes to our asking part of our prayer. Um, we're calling this morning, Ask Your Father, um, because that is the, the picture that we have, right? When, when the disciples approached Jesus in, in Luke chapter 11, they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and this is the prayer that we looked at last week, which we call today the Lord's Prayer, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And we said last week that this is not, um, God uh, has not given us this. Jesus did not model this for us just so we would have this rote set of words that we would repeat every so often, but rather as a model, as a pattern, as a picture of how we are to pray to him. Um, but then immediately following this, he goes on to unpack and to encourage the disciples as to how they are to ask. And that's what the passage is that we're looking at this morning. And it's particularly helpful in terms of um, what, how is it then that we, we pray? So we, we've talked about some of the mechanics, the practical parts of prayer, like when we pray, how we pray, what, what, what tools we're using as we pray. What, is, what does all that look like? I'd encourage you to go back and review that if you haven't seen that yet. But this morning we want to see, okay, well, what about like asking? How, how do we ask God for things? Is there instruction in this? And Jesus was so faithful and, and gracious to us that he gave us a couple of great teachings specifically on this. So let's look at this together. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. You can follow along in your copy of scripture. It says this, and he said to them, which of you has a friend? will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are, uh, in, are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I ask you, or I tell you rather, I ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock 
and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This uh, is a picture, this is the uh, teaching that... um, that Jesus gave to the disciples uh, that outlines, that gives us a model of how we are to ask God. And you see, it's, it's like the friend that's coming to <laughs> a friend at midnight. So let's just kind of unpack this story a little bit because this is kind of a, an interesting situation, right? So imagine you have somebody that shows up at your house at midnight, which at the time wasn't all that uncommon, right? A lot of the travel actually happened at night. It was the cool of the day. Their minivans didn't have AC the same way that our minivans have AC, Okay, and so uh, they would travel at night uh, to to get in that coolness. And so this friend, not knowing exactly when, right, because he didn't, he couldn't text and say, "Hey, I'm going to be there in an hour." Um, you know, plan ahead. He, he just a friend arrives, and so he needs to greet him. He needs to be hospitable. He needs to take care of him. Um, that was expected. It was part of the culture. But he doesn't have bread. And so he goes to someone who he knows has bread. Maybe he saw him baking it. Maybe he knows he always keeps some on hand. Whatever the case is, he's knocking on the door. It's midnight. And he says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. My friend just arrived on a journey and I have nothing to give him. And the answer came from within, do not bother me, right? We can relate to that. Somebody's knocking on your door, midnight, they want some bread. It's like, hey, uh, if, if there's an emergency, uh, somebody's dying, something's on fire, something, you know, come back and see me then. But bread, you need bread? You're waking me up for bread in the middle of the night? He's like, don't bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed, and I cannot get up and give you anything. Uh, parents can certainly relate to this, but uh, their housing situation, a little different than ours. They didn't all have their own room. Many of them uh, slept in the same room together, kind of a one-room one uh, bed situation. And so uh, they, uh, you can imagine, if you know, parents of little ones, you, you get this, right? You put that little one down, especially when you're like, you're not doing anything that's going to wake them up right? Uh, we have a rule in our house. You wake them, you take them, right? And so if, if, if you do something, if you're like, if you have the, the TV too loud or you're, you get excited and, 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 uh, and, and make, make, you know, yell or something and, and you wake up the baby, you're in charge. And so these kids are down. They're all asleep. The whole family's down. He's like, it's midnight. Go away. I'm not, you cannot, uh, I, I, can't, I can't be bothered by this. He says, even though he was his friend, maybe not for long, right? He says, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Yet, yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. That word there can be translated persistence, that um, nagging, that um, continuance uh, in the ask. Right? Because he's coming, because he's pounding, because he's, he's, he's begging for it, he's going to rise and he's going to give him whatever he needs. Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. This is the picture that Luke recorded for us, the words of Jesus that give us a picture of how we are to come to and ask our Heavenly Father. 
We are to come like the friend at midnight asking for bread. Now, this might seem like an odd picture, right? For us to, like, we're going to pray this way, um, because let's be clear, we said this a few weeks ago, we want to seek first the face of God, not the hand of God. God is not some, um, you know, pinata in the sky that our prayers sort of, like, hit it, and and we kind of, you know, get the, 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 the candy requests out of it. That's not what we're trying to do in prayer, but rather we want to seek God in this, but yet he says... Hey, bring me these requests. Bring me your needs. Whatever you need, ask, and you will receive it. Is this really what we are to, how we are to pray? Well, Luke drives it home so much more that he actually records another story that Jesus tells to illustrate that and to see that. I love it. You can keep your thumb there in um, Luke 11, but if you'd sw- flip over just a couple chapters to Luke 18, there's another story that Jesus tells to teach and show how we are to pray. In Luke 18, verse 1, it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. So the parable, if you, um, we've said this before, but parables are uh, little stories with a big, uh, big point of application, right? Jesus is telling them a story to teach them something. Here's the story he told them. You there? Luke 18, verse 2. He said, In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. So not a fantastic guy, doesn't doesn't fear uh, God, doesn't respect men, but he is on the bench. He is the one who is uh, holding the gavel. He is the judge. And there was a woman, a widow, in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice for my adversary. For a while, he refused so here's the thing, this widow is coming, she wants justice. We don't know the situation, we don't know why, but clearly she doesn't have a strong case. Justice is not uh, expected or kind of going to be granted in this situation. But yet she comes continually, over and over again, give me justice for my adversary. But the judge, he says, um, he refused, but after a while he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this window keeps coming and bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming, right? You get the picture. She's just coming over and over and over again, right? Judge comes out, opens the courtroom. Who's sitting there? It's the widow again. I was like, here we go, right? Every day, every week, all the time, it's the same woman, same story, same, same ask, give me justice for my adversary, he, he doesn't do it because of the justice. He doesn't do it because he loves her. He doesn't do it because he respects God. What he's saying is like, I'm just tired of this. After her continual coming, she wore him down and then he relented and responded to the woman. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? See, if you or I were to use this story as a picture for God and his answer of prayer, I think we could get maybe a little bit nervous about, about that. Right? It's like, I don't know, is this, is this really the, uh, the best picture um, that, that, that we should have, this unrighteous judge? We're comparing God, uh, the creator of the universe, to this unrighteous judge. Is this, 
Is this the best picture? But what we have to be clear of how Jesus is using this picture. He's not saying that God is just like the unrighteous judge and you can wear him down with your continual coming. But what he's saying is, is that in opposition or sort of in opposing to the unrighteous judge, if an unrighteous judge can respond with grace and be wore down and respond in this way, how much more so is your heavenly father who loves you, who wants good for you, who wants to see his glory shown and seen through you, how much more so would he respond to those who love him and who are seeking him and who want to see his glory shown? He's not using this because God is just like the righteous judge. He's using it because in opposition to the judge, how much more so is God going to respond? This is the picture that we have. And so clearly, Jesus was intentional in using the picture of the friend coming at midnight and the widow coming to the judge over and over again. This is the picture that we have and how we are to pray. And I think there's a few things that we can see and shape the way that we ask I think that's what God is trying to show us. That's what Jesus was trying to get across to the disciples, that it matters how we ask. So how are we to ask? How how do these stories, how do these passages teach us how to ask? Well, I think there's three things. The first is this, is that you and I, we need to ask with helplessness. We need, if we want to ask like Jesus is telling us to ask, we need to ask with helplessness. This is the place that we begin. It's in recognizing our need for God. Notice, back in Luke 11, the, the man, the friend, he comes, he, he comes in a place of helplessness. He says, I have a friend that has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. See, when, what drove the friend to ask was his lack of resources, his lack of ability to fix the problem. He needs to feed this friend, and he has nothing He recognizes that he is desperate, that he is in need, that he doesn't have what it takes to be a hospitable friend to this guy who has come. And here's the thing. I don't think that we, I think one of the things, one of the reasons that we don't pray as often as we want to, as often as we should, as often as we can, is because I don't think we are that helpless most of the time. When we are most helpless are the times that we pray the most. Is that not true? I think so many times the reason, the thing that drives us towards prayer is our desperation. And so in times of desperate need is when we call out to God, when we recognize and we see that we have no ability to affect the situation the way that we would want. So then we respond in prayer. And maybe you can think of some times when you have done so. I remember when we, um, Bree and I first had kids, um, and uh, Ellie was, um, uh, you know, growing and 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 we're um, caring for her. And you know, the first couple of years, you don't recognize it at the time, but you're just kind of keeping a little 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 thing alive, right? You're just trying to make sure they they feed, they get fed, and they sleep, and all that. Well, then we started like we're not just like keeping this this little baby alive, right? We're 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 parenting, like we're actually disciplining and instructing, and that's when I just was. Um, pretty overwhelmed. I remember sitting down with um, uh, my pastor at the time um, uh, who was there at the church, and I said, listen, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like this little thing, she is so tiny, but she knows how to press every button in me. She like just can, can get anything out of me. Like I don't know if I'm going to be able to parent her um, in the way that she needs. And I felt desperate. I was seeking help. I'm like, help me. What do I need to do, right? 
In that moment, I knew that I didn't have what it took uh, to care for her in the way that uh, she needed, and so um, I, I was desperate and, and sought out help. Now, here's the thing is, is I have not, with every step or every part of parenting, sought for the same level of instruction. In that moment, I knew I was desperate, but, but there's been some times that I feel pretty confident. Like, for example, we just hit the teenage years. Ellie just turned 13, all right? So we've got a teenager in the Jacobson house. Woo-woo. New, whole new stage. We're all excited. We're pumped about it, right? We love it. I've done the math. Here's the thing. You can pray for me a little bit more um, than, than maybe you already do, hopefully um, you, you already are, but, but you can pray more because for the next 15 years, Levi's three, we're going to have at least one, at times, four teenagers in our house, okay? We are going to have teenagers for the next 15 years. And here's the thing. I love teenagers. My degree in school, I went to school for student ministry. I love, love, love hanging around middle school, high school students. I think they're fantastic. Um, and so I've been so excited for this stage. And here's the thing. I have tons of confidence, right? Because I've helped parents with their teenagers. I've taught them, you know, I've, I've, they've sat with me and they've come and asked for, you know, for advice or, or help in, in different situations. And so I've got this, right? The next 15 years, I'm going to just, just slide right through this, right? I love it. Everyone who has already had teenagers is just smiling at me under your masks, and uh, you know that you're like, no, you are in for it, and I know I'm in for it. So here's the, the reality is, is that I know how much I don't know, and I know how brutal these years can be. Some of you are teenagers, and you're like, what? What's so bad about this? This is a, like, here's the thing. All right, we've all been there, all right? Everyone's been a teenager in this room. We've all been, we've all lived through that before. There's just, it's just a tricky time. You're figuring things out, you're, and you just... It's, it's, it's hard, okay? And so parents, kids, we need to kind of figure this out together, work on it. I know that there's some prayer coming in the next several years. Why? Because I'm gonna be helpless. I'm gonna be desperate. I'm not gonna know what to need. I think that I know, and I'm gonna find out just how much I don't know in those moments I'm going to. I share all that just to say, listen, that's something going on in my life. What is it in your life that drives you to desperation? Is it your marriage? Is it the situation with your spouse right now? Is, are you desperate in that? Is there a situation at work? Is there a relationship? Is there a situation in your health, something going on? Where are you desperate? I promise you that's the place that you're gonna be most prone to pray. Here's what we need to do. We need to have that same understanding about each and every area of our life. There is no part of our day, no part of our life that we have completely got control over all of it, but yet we want to. This isn't an easy place for us to be, right? We want to be strong enough. We want to have things figured out. We want to have a plan. We want to have the resources. We want to have all that. And when we are helpless is not when any of us feel at home. That is not the place that we want to live, yet that is the place that God is calling us to when we pray. The woman, the widow, coming to the judge, she was desperate. She's like, I need justice. I can't get it myself. I need you to grant it. Give me justice for my adversary. She was helpless. See, most of us, we think when it comes to prayer that we have a discipline issue. And I would encourage you to discipline yourself in prayer. Set the alarm, make a plan, find some tools, use the resources that we've provided. Discipline in prayer is great. But here's the thing, discipline alone will not bring us to the place of prayer that we need. Desperation will. We need more desperation in our prayers, and I promise you the discipline will follow. 
if we are desperate, if we are helpless, if we see how much we need God to work, then we will discipline ourselves and we will pray. This is the place that God wants us, okay? So let's, let's just kind of flip the script a little bit. We don't come to God in a place of all figured out, knowing exactly what we need, all of that. We are, God is inviting us. He's calling us. He's instructing us, come to me in helplessness, in desperation, in great need. That is how we are to ask. Like a, fa- like a child to a father, needs something from their dad, we come to our heavenly father in this way. We ask with helplessness. But not just helplessness, we see another picture in, this, in these stories. The second is this, we need to ask with confidence. We need to ask with confidence. Notice the way that the ask is delivered. The friend comes and he is certainly poor in his timing, a little obnoxious in, in, in the way it's delivered, right? but he is confident. He is beating on the door. He is calling out. He's waking him up. He's not afraid. Why? Because he needs something. And he is confident that his friend will respond. There's confidence in that. There's confidence in the way that the, women, the woman is coming before the judge and saying, hey, I need you to grant me justice. I have every right to ask for it. I have every ability to be here. I'm, I am coming with confidence before you asking that you will respond. And so, like kids with a father, like children to a dad, so are we to come with confidence to our Heavenly Father. I said this last week, but nobody asks with more confidence of anything of me than my kids, right? They will ask for things all the time. I I was with them yesterday afternoon, and it was snack time, and um, oh my goodness, they were just one after another, uh, all of them were like, I'm hungry. Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? And it's like full confidence, right? They're like, they're not afraid to ask. They're like, worst thing he's going to do is say no, but they're, they are plenty okay asking. And uh, some of you were to come over to our house, you would, um, some of you maybe feel that same confidence to uh, raid the pantry and ask for snacks. Others of you, it's going to take you a while to get there. You don't have that same level of confidence in your ask. We need to come with confidence. But here's the problem. Here's what I think prevents us is, is we get inside our heads or we doubt the way that we are asking and the things that we're asking for, right? Have you ever asked, have you ever kind of struggled with this as you uh, seek to pray about something? Have you ever kind of wondered, well, I wonder if this is a selfish request? Like, does God really, or does God really care about that? Like, is that too insignificant? Or am I praying in the right way? Am I, am I asking in the right timing? We sort of, we kind of second guess the things that we're asking about and the way that we're asking, which I think at its heart is good, Right? We want that. We want to, um, we want to have some, uh, you know, some awareness of the things that we're asking and why we're asking for them and, and what does that say, what does that mean about us. But we've been invited to ask with confidence. That's the picture that we have here. And so James is super helpful in deciding and kind of pointing us in the right direction and how we know um, the right things to ask and the wrong ways to ask and all of that. Look at James 4, 2, and 3. We'll put it um, there on the screen for you. But uh, it says this, You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have. Why? Because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And so I think this is what, like, 
Maybe sometimes we, we, we get concerned and so we, we don't want to ask in the wrong way or whatever. But what James is doing is he's actually giving us, he's helping us to thread the needle. There's two mistakes that we could make in our ask. The first would be to not ask, to fail to ask. Notice what it says there. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. So it would be wrong of us not to come to the Lord because he's invited us to. He says, in everything, right, through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to me. So he says, you do not have because you do not ask. So one mistake would be to not ask, to not ask. But the other mistake is to go the other way and to ask wrongly so that we would spend it on our own passions. And so how do we know the difference, right? How do we know if we're asking selfishly or wrongly? And that's where the relationship comes in. Right? If we're seeking first the face of God before the hand of God, that leads us to requesting, asking, seeking God for things that align with who he is, his heart, his desire, his mission for us. That is what Jesus gets at when he's talking about the abiding relationship with that. You know, Jesus, three times, he makes these statements that are, uh, I don't know about you, they make me a little bit nervous of how bold and how declarative they are. John 14, 13, you, can, you, uh, you just write these references down. Go back and look at it later. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. John 15, 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, 23, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Three times Jesus says, hey, ask in my name and I will give it to you you. So again, I think we sometimes get inside of our heads and we are confused with this because we know full well, well, then why don't we just, you know, ask for more wishes, right? Like kind of the, 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 the catch-all ask, like why, God, will you just protect me from pain for the rest of my life? I don't want to ever experience pain. I'm asking this in your name. Why don't you do that, right? That's not, it's not saying we know that it doesn't mean whatever you ask, right? But whatever we ask in his name, whatever we ask in that abiding relationship, whatever we ask in relationship with him, that is where it comes down to. So we are not, we're wrong to not ask, but we need to ask being led in a part of the relationship, that abiding relationship. The more that you and I walk with Jesus in relationship with him, the more that we will be led to ask for the things that are on his heart and that are for his glory, and that are leading to a good place for us. So, here is the invitation that God gives us to ask with confidence. Listen, don't let that stop you from asking. He'll correct you. He'll show you. He'll teach you. Or he just won't answer it. (laughs) He'll answer it with a no. He'll answer it. He'll just answer it with a no, right? If you ask wrongly, he's not going to give it to you. He's not going to do it. If it's something that's not good for you, ultimately, he's not going to answer in that way. Will he allow things to happen in your life that aren't great for you? Ultimately, he's going to use them for the good. But yeah, no, there's going to be things that are going to be difficult that we're going to walk through. He's promised. He's said that. But we can have confidence in the way that we ask, the things that we ask for. That is what we see in this picture is the confidence that we come with, the boldness that we can approach the throne. He's invited us to ask. If, it's, if it matters to you, bring it to him. 
If you're burdened with it, he wants to hear about it, I promise you. And even in the asking, he can shape and direct and guide us. If we seek the face of God before the hand of God, he can minister and work in through our hearts in that. So we ask with confidence. But here's the third thing. We ask with persistence. Both passages, you see the picture of this persistence. Luke eleven eight says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him what he needs. His persistence is what drove the friend to give him the bread. Luke 18, 5, the judge relented because of what her continual coming, her continual coming. If you hear one thing today, hear this. Don't stop praying. I think sometimes we approach God with the things that are burdened on our hearts and we give him a timetable. And when he doesn't answer them according to our timetable, but rather according to his, we give up. We give up. Both of these wanted the answer immediately. The friend got the bread that night. The widow had to keep coming and to continue to come and to come and to come and to come. And what we see in Scripture, we see picture after picture, example after example of people that had to continue to come, to continue to pray before the Lord before an answer came. And so what Jesus is inviting us to is you can't pray about this too much. Pray with persistence. Continue to pray. And here's the reality is that for some of you, you have been praying. Can we just get like real for a second? Some of you have been praying about certain things for a long, long time. And you don't know if you can continue to pray about them. Some of you have given up praying all together for those things. Can I just encourage you with this to keep praying? Keep coming before your heavenly father. Why? Why? Well, we're reminded of what a good father does. Verse 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will instead give him a scorpion? He's like, you don't do that. Like, you're a good mom. You're a good dad. You wouldn't give your son or daughter a scorpion. <laughs> you wouldn't give him a serpent, right? Like, that, who does that? Like, if you, if you who are evil can give good gifts to your children, how much more so can the heavenly Father who loves you give good gifts to you? But what does it say he gives there? What does it say he gives? It says the Father can give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And here's the thing that I think we need to realize and recognize. God has already given us his greatest treasure, himself, his son, relationship with him. He is our heavenly father. And so there is relationship. But here's the thing about relationship. It doesn't just stop with relationship, right? If my kids come to me and they're like, dad, I need something from you, I want something from you. I'm like, hey, I already gave you the greatest gift that you could possibly have. I'm your dad, you got me, right? Like, I've already given you that. Why would you want something else, right? No, no, no. He's saying, look, you're a good dad. I want to give good gifts to my children. And so certainly it's like, yeah, because of the relationship, I can now bestow on you things that are within my ability, my power, my desire to do for you. So it is with God. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us relationship. And so he wants to give good gifts to those whom he loves, whom he calls children, whom he has brought into relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. And so can I just encourage you to not stop praying? Some of you, 
Some of you have a habit, you have an addiction, you have something, a sin pattern that has put you in bondage and you need to pray that God would free you from that, that he would give you the strength to take that away, to give you the strength to leave it, to, um, to trust him in that, to get some help around it, whatever it might be, some of you are praying for that. Others of you are praying for a relationship that is broken. You are praying that the relationship would be restored, that you would have opportunity for that, that that there would be a softness of heart. And and some of you, the answer is going to come from God softening your heart and for you to be brought to a different place in that situation. Others of you, you have children that have walked away from the Lord and you've been praying for a long time that they would come to know Jesus Christ or they would come back to the Lord and you are growing weary in praying for those things. Others of you are seeking with many young families in our church that have had a hard time having children and seeking that or, or some of you are seeking a spouse. You're, you're, you're waiting for the Lord to provide. There's all these things that we are seeking. And listen, these are good things They're not ultimate things, but they are good gifts from our heavenly Father, and he desires to work through these things. It is not wrong to ask for him to work in these things. And so can I just encourage you to keep praying for those. Pray with persistence that God might receive glory, that he might work in you, and that he would draw you closer to himself. Here's one of the ways that we want to do this together as a church. As you came in, This morning on your seat was this card and it says there on the top, 21 days of prayer. If you're joining us online, you can go to cityonahill.co slash pray and that's where all of our prayer resources are. Um, You can find uh, the card digitally there if you want to print it or use it, Um, but it's nothing super fancy. It's just a a box with some some check boxes, but but here's how we want to use this together as a church. Can I just encourage you, can you identify something some burden, something that you are going to seek the Lord for for the next three weeks, the next 21 days together, can you commit to praying daily and ask that God would work in whatever situation it is? What is it that you are burdened with? What is it, where is it that God can show his glory and, and how can you pray for that? I would encourage you, write that prayer down. If there's a couple things, you need more space, use the back. And then those, those boxes, you can put the date in, you can check it, however you wanna do it. But for the next three weeks, can we seek the Lord on some specific things? Because here's what I'm hoping for our church. I don't, I don't think that in 21 days, everything that's written down on every one of these cards is going to get an answer. I think some of them are going to take some longer or God's going to change some things or do some things and and that's going to happen. But I do know this. I do know that some of these things, some of the things that we seek the Lord on in the next three weeks, he wants to and he will, he can answer. And so let's come to him. Let's ask. Let's do so in his name, trusting that he has the power to work, the power to respond, and he's invited us to come to him in this way and do it. This is going to take us right through um, my, uh, my math was wrong. I said it wrong in the first service, but I, that's the beauty of coming to the second service, right? Um, uh, not the 11, soon to be the 10, 15, right? You can come and, um, and you get the corrected version, but this will take us through the week after that September 12th, okay? So uh, for the next three weeks, we're going to seek the Lord in that. I think last week I, or last uh, service, I said that it would take us up to the 12th. I meant through like the week of the 12th. Um, so that's going to take us right up through that whole week, the next three weeks. And I can't wait to hear if God responds, if he answers, or if he moves, even in your own heart over these next three, week, three weeks, we want to hear about it. We want to celebrate with you. We want to um, walk alongside you. 
And that's the other opportunity that we have as well, is maybe some of you, you don't want to just pray for your thing, you want to pray for somebody else's. Maybe ask, hey, what are you praying for? Can I join you in praying for that too? Or maybe some of you, you're like, I need somebody else praying about this as well holding me accountable to it, joining me in prayer. Maybe you take this and you, you ask somebody else, say, hey, would you pray with me for this as well? Let's encourage each other in that together. But put this in a place, put it in your Bible, put it on your mirror, put it you know, in your car, wherever you're gonna see it and pray for it. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord on these things, trusting that he is going to respond and he's going to work. Let's pray now. God, we long to see you more clearly in our life. God, you are holy, you are mighty, you're powerful. God, you're present with us and your kindness is is visible in all things. God, I just want to ask that you would grow our faith. Lord, as you said in your word, when you look upon us, when you come Would you find faith here? God, we pray that you would continue to make us, to to mold us, to shape us into a house of prayer. God, we desire to seek you in these ways. We desire to see you work. And so I pray that you would draw our hearts toward that. God, I just want to pray over already some of these needs and these burdens that I know some... There's many here today that I'm sure don't need any time to think about what's going on this card because they already know. God, they they walked in with the burden. And so, God, I want to pray for those things. I want to ask that you will break the bondage of sin in their life. God, that you will lead that relationship back to restoration. God, that you will provide for the need. God, that you will work out that difficult situation in work. That you will bring that son, that daughter back to you again. God, I pray that you will save the lost around us, that you would use us on mission, on ministry. God, equip us, strengthen us, use us. God, we ask that you will do mighty and great things, that your glory, that your fame, that your name would go forth and that many would respond, many would see who you are and your greatness. God, do this in us, do this through us. We pray that you would lead us to this place. Continue to strengthen our faith in you. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.